gentlemen, welcome back to Hoops Journey. If you follow basketball um, in our in our country or the NBA and the Raptors, um, then you know the name of our guest today, uh, Mr. Michael Grange. Um, some may also not know that uh, there is a little bit of playing history there too. So we're excited to get to know a little bit more about him. Um, I mean, we can search him up and find the story, but it's always better to uh, connect with people and chat a little bit. And uh, how are you, sir? And how's life treating you after uh, the NBA draft? We appreciate you carving out a little bit of time to uh, to sit down with us today. Oh, I'm very well. I'm very well. Thanks for having me on. And uh, sort of a little bit of quiet before the storm with uh, between the draft and free agency and then summer league kicking in and uh, should be a busy summer with Canada basketball as well. So, so uh, a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, lots of work for you at least, right? Which is good. So uh, that's always a good thing. But um, you know, you you do say in your bio on Twitter, have you got have you got out on any golf recently, or is the golf game kind of on the shelf right now with everything else you're juggling? Uh, no, I, I try to get out when I can. So uh, my my kids are pretty much growing up. So and uh, you know, the nice thing about the job from a golf point of view is you're, yeah. you. Can, kind of tend to be a little bit more often busy at night or on weekends. So you can kind of squeeze in a game or two. So, so yeah, I, uh, I try to get out when I can for sure. What's, what's the game like? It's, uh, it's like everyone else's game erratic. (laughs) (laughs) I respect it. I respect it. Can you give us a rating one to 10 on, on Grady Dick's outfit? Your thoughts on that? The draft? (laughs) Um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's the way kids do it these days, right? Like it's, uh, you know, somebody, you know, you get a little money in your pocket and some tailors out there ready to take it, I suppose. So, uh, you know, Hey, yeah, give him credit. He certainly got people's attention. And I think more importantly, once he got people's attention, he was, he was able to handle it pretty well. He comes across as a pretty fun, friendly guy. So, yeah. um, you know, it's uh, like I say, it's it's the it's the way the world goes these days. People like to be to make them put themselves out there and show their personality and yep. And uh, he certainly he certainly did that. Yep. It's funny to I, I wonder too. Like maybe the red was just a a good guess, or maybe he knew something we didn't know. But just kind of how it all worked out, right, with the Raptors Canada and then just that big red jacket. So I'm a I'm a high school teacher too, and. But uh, I teach at a private school, so we do the odd like jeans day. And then when the kids dress in just sort of regular clothes because they we have a dress code, it makes me always kind of go, oh, all right. So this is what fashion is these days, right? So it just seems to be uh, they went from super tight to bigger and baggier, which is weird. It's like we're going full circle and neon's kind of coming back too. So it'll keep funny. coming back. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's all it's all a good argument for dress codes as far as I'm concerned. But yeah. <laughs> well, let's get right into it. Um Tell us about yourself, maybe your upbringing, sort of obviously reporting and basketball, you know, we'll, we'll get to that, but you do have a history with the game and talk about sort of as a young person, why basketball was a sport you were sort of drawn to and, and why your hoops journey began. Yeah. Um, it's been uh, quite a long one by now, but, uh, not there yet. I, I kind of, um, yeah, I mean, I think I got into basketball basically because it was there, and uh, mm. I kind of uh, really loved sports and was pretty reasonably athletic uh, guy. But um, you know, kind of when I was growing up, my you know our parents, my parents had come here from Ireland, and we moved around quite a bit. We didn't really it took us a little while to kind of settle in, and um, 
I uh, basically the first friend I made in when I had a new school in grade six is his older brother played played basketball in, at the local high school and it turned out that it was a really really good team. They won the they won the city championship uh, I think that year or the year after and um, and so you know I just kind of tagged along from with him and kind of watched games and. Uh, went to the schoolyard and it was his uh, sister taught me how to do a layup one in March break of, uh, I think grade six. <laughs> and, um, at the same time, I kind of, my family started going to a church downtown and they had a, they had a gym and, uh, you know, got to, got to play with a little semblance of instruction, like very, very <laughs> little, but, but, uh, got a little more exposure to the game. And then, um, kind of by kind of middle school was was really into it and had a couple of friends who you know made another friend who told me about the you know they had basketball at the rec center around the corner so I started going there a little bit and then by kind of high school I was full gas but but you know really hadn't you know the first time I was ever coached like literally the first basketball practice I ever went to was, was not until I was in kind of in, in grade nine I was you oh, know wow. 15 years old so um, and that wasn't all that uncommon, you know, uh, this is kind of early eighties and, um, you know, if you were lucky and you went to a middle school or a public school where the, the gym teacher liked basketball or had some knowledge to share with it, then that you were lucky if you went to a school like I did that where that wasn't the case, you kind of had to wait and hope that maybe in your high school they did. I was lucky that that was the case in my high school. I went to uh, Humberside Collegiate and there was some really good coaches there and there was uh so that you know but it was a very late start and mm -hmm. um you know but again like i say it wasn't completely unusual um for for guys just to be getting into the game uh, you know by the high school stages but um you know really all the guys i played with were all kind of in the same boat mostly uh first generation guys and you know parents didn't have the time or means or inclination to get them into hockey and, uh, you know, basketball was, there was a gym in every school and, you know, usually some hoops in every playground and, and, uh, that's, that's where everyone kind of gravitated to. Yeah. It kind of is one of those sports that's great for that in the sense that, you know, you just really need a ball. Most people have a pair of shoes, right. And we were in the same boat with hockey too. I still to this day can't skate. So when I take my P class to the rink, I have to stand on the side because, don't need to be breaking my hip at 45, but um, <laughs> it's funny on this this show. You know, we're you know 109 episodes in, and um, many people talk about it wasn't the you know I, like I looked up to the Larry Bird or the Jordan or whoever, but it was the local guy or girl in the neighborhood, that high school kid that was like a mentor or just someone that I thought, oh, that's who I want to be. And it seems like that was kind of the same scenario for you, just tagging along and seeing the. And, you know, when you're in grade six, a grade 11 or 12 seems like a pretty big person, right? Even though it's mm -hmm. only a few years of separation, <laughs> right? They, they seem like, um, like celebrities to us. And, and, I, and it's interesting that you also went through that. Um, when did you know that it was something that maybe I think I can play this at the post-secondary level? How'd you go about it? You know, early 80s, kind of, well, mid 80s now as you move into your senior years, but <laughs> a fun group of kids around that you, you know, enjoy hooping with and you got some good coaches how did you figure out or was it just like i'm gonna go to college and i'll figure out and try out for the team or what's that process like yeah yeah probably by uh you know kind of the middle of high school um 
like I said, it, it was it was just a lucky set of circumstances in, in some sense, some senses, because for whatever reason, you know, the cohort I went to high school with, you know, both a couple of grades below and a couple of grades above, there was just a, you know, each grade seemed to have three or four pretty good players or at least very dedicated players. And so there was always, um, there was always really good, uh, places to play pickup and compete. And they were, it was really competitive. Like it was really intense fights, yells, <laughs> balls getting kicked and, um, <laughs> As it and, <laughs> and yeah, and it was a really, you know, it was a really kind of, you know, I kind of thought that was the norm. I, I kind of, once I got out in the world a, bit, a little bit, I realized it probably wasn't. And <laughs> what were and you so, like? Was, did you have the Irish in you? Oh yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I was, I was probably a little less, Psycho than some of the guys I played with, but <laughs> but only by degrees. There's levels and, to it, hey? <laughs> uh, yeah, and um, but all of that to say, you know, and we just had, we also had we there was a guy at my school who was a, a TDSB. This is in Toronto. Uh, he was his job was he was the school lifeguard. He ran the swimming program at the school. And he, for whatever reason, was at that time when I was in high school, was living in his van in the parking lot. And, and he was, uh, he was a young guy and a great guy. And, um, or at least to us, he was a great guy. Yeah. And, um, he was a pretty good basketball player himself. And so he always would open the gym for us before, for, before school or stay after school. And, um, you know, so we, you know, and like I said, there was enough guys who were really good and really into playing that, that what I didn't have maybe in a formal kind of uh, introduction or, you know, kind of skill drop sort of thing, like where people are just laying out a program I mm -hmm. made up for and just tons of tons and tons and tons of competitive uh, games, either three on three, two on two or full five on five. And, and so by about grade 11, you know, I was, I was turning into a pretty good player on pretty good teams at mm -hmm. a time in Toronto where, you know, the basketball scene was really kind of popping in a way that was different to what came later, it, you know, uh, later on, you know, good basketball players in Toronto, the goal was to get out of Toronto. Like it was, everyone yeah. was kind of leaving to go to the States, mm -hmm. even in grade nine as early as, um, but at that point, you know, there really wasn't that kind of pathway and, you know, you still had grade 13. And so, and a lot of kids would do an extra year high school. So cheaters, um, cheaters you, out there, man. <laughs> but if you could, if you could imagine, um, you know, all the population of kids in the GTA and also, by the way, you know, the Toronto was still kind of like where a lot of first generation Canadians were, were gathering, right? Like sure. It wasn't, it wasn't quite as, you know, uh, as much on the outskirts. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so if you can imagine, you know, all that talent that we've seen, you know, over the last 10, 15 years that have ended up being in the NBA and places like that, like not quite the same volume, but a pretty, pretty good number, a pretty good amount of talent was still in the city playing high school basketball until they were 20 years old. Yeah. And, um, you know, none of them were leaving and none of them were going to the States. And, uh, the, so there was just some extraordinary talent and it was a real scene. Like it was like, you'd go to city championships at Jarvis or all-star games at York university or, 
or, you know, uh, tournaments at St. Mike's and, um, you know, your dream was to play in those events or, Mm -hmm. and, you know, you'd go and watch them. And so right in front of you, there were kind of heroes and role models and some of your friends, some of the guys I went to school with were in those games. And, and so you kind of, you know, so by the time I was in grade 11 ish and, you know, I was kind of good enough to think, you know, I could, I could maybe do it. And it, you know, it was sort of a goal of mine to do it. And, um, you know, and definitely as the kids a little bit older than me were going to play in university, I was like, well, you know, like everyone's dream is to go play in the States that didn't really materialize for very many guys, but, uh, <laughs> certainly, certainly not me, but, you know, playing in university basketball became, came the next, uh, came the next thing on the list. And, and I'd say probably by, by yeah, grade 11, certainly by grade 12, I had a really good coach in grade 11 who had been a, played on really good teams at York University, a guy named Ev Spence. And he kind of was the first guy to say, hey, you know, you could probably play, you know, you should stick with it. And, and uh, that's all I needed to hear. ATO Basketball, a.k.a. ATO B-Ball, located directly at the Langley Event Center in British Columbia. This place has everything you need. I swear, if you walk in and you're a hoop head, there's nothing you won't be able to find. Sale items, Jordan, Adidas, Puma, you name it. The brands are all there. Shoes, jerseys, retro, current, Vancouver Bandits. You can even get every basketball you name. Shout out to our boy Jeff at ATOB Ball for willing to be a sponsor to us. Go check them out. Check the store. Mention us. And who knows, you might find yourself lucky. Thanks to ATOB Ball. So many good things to touch on, just the mentors and and just that as a young person, you know, so many things that you could be possibly getting into trouble with, but just having that person who is able to open the gym and have that key. And I think we're missing that a lot. I mean, the, the, the surgeons of AAU, obviously in our country has taken off. So we probably have more people playing the game, but just in terms of like, I'm fortunate to teach at a private school where I can open the gym anytime. And a lot of the public schools out here they'll shut their gyms for six to eight weeks or, you know, the entire summer. And so just those opportunities are becoming less and less for that. Almost the free play, not the structured play, right? Um, whereas yeah. and you've touched on many times where I think you learn so many things about yourself, uh, about how to play the game, make reads. You better be, you know, on help side or some guy that's on your fourth guy on your team is going to, you know, give it to you. And you want to stay on the court and, and keep running, right? And win. So yep. Kind of think we're like losing those opportunities a little bit. Am I sounding like I should tell someone to get off my lawn, or am I making sense? <laughs> no, I think I think you know I think that there's a lot to it, and mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, and, and I don't think it's you know I think on one level the infrastructure for basketball has probably never been better in the sense of yeah. the opportunities for club play and um, you know a really high end club play if you want to take see how far you can take it and there's a lot of skill there's a huge you know growing population of skills trainers and you know even some private gyms that are opening up to kind of accommodate that demand uh, because you know you, the, in Toronto anyway I can only speak for like it's harder and harder and more expensive to get gym permits and stuff so yeah so on one level you know the path to becoming a really elite player is probably never been clearer and uh kind of more stamped 
Like mm-hmm. it's there's a, there's certain kind of signposts you hit along the way, but on the other level, it's I think it's some ways probably harder to just stumble into the game, and um, and even those players who kind of are you know on a path pretty early, they they you know how much opportunity do they get just to really just compete and figure it out on their own and and just the fun of that too like it's yeah it's uh you know it's it's kind of like the you know my kids my son anyway went through hockey and like there's a lot of good things about it but yeah. you know the 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 idea of just you know going to you know the rec center and playing pickup and then going hanging out at 7-eleven you know, four nights a week in the summer was, you know, that's not something that happened in hockey. I'm not sure how often it happens in basketball anymore. And, yeah, um, you know, it was so, yeah, you missed it's good and bad and everything, you know, like I yep. would have loved to have more structured opportunities and, um, you know, and certainly I feel like I would have taken advantage of them. But, you know, like uh, there's there is a lot to be said for just just completely self uh, motivated self, uh, you know, I've, you know, just a kind of super organic basketball experience that, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not sure even exists in anything for anything. Yeah. <laughs> anymore. yeah. It's true. Yeah. yeah. Well, well framed. It's like, uh, yeah. it's like you do this for a living or something. Um, speaking yeah. of which for the, myself, curiously, curiosity wise, like, uh, when did you start to see yourself as someone who was like a writer? Were you like that at a young age? Is it something you developed mm-hmm. over time? And did that have an impact on where you chose to go um, for, for post-secondary and university? Just interested to know that path of your life too. Yeah. I mean, that's a kind of a good question. Um, yes. I've always say like the only real true talent, I had two <laughs> real true talents and one is, hitting 18 foot jumpers and two <laughs> is reading. Those are two things I could do better than most people <laughs> Re- reading, especially. And, and, <laughs> and, uh, I was kind of a prolific and prodigious, prodigious reader at a really wow. young age. Hmm. And, you know, my mom worked in a library and I would tag along with her and just kind of pour through old sports illustrated in the stacks. And I just was a guy who just, I don't know, for whatever reason, as a kid, I just really got into reading and, um, you know, that, like, it wasn't like I was like plowing through novels as a 16 year old. I was, yeah. you know, I, I had other things on my mind, but yeah, but, um, you know, the base was there. And so I think reading made writing come relatively easy to me, relatively hmm. easily. And certainly if in high school, like my strengths all seem to lie towards, you know, the essay, the things that most people hate, right? Like essay <laughs> writing and, uh, you know, book reports and that kind of stuff. So, um, so university, you know, but I had no, you know, I was a good student, but I had no plan and no direction, nor was given any. And, um, so when I went to university, it was again, incredibly informal, unplanned, um, exercise. And, uh, you know, it was my first, I loved reading newspapers. I loved reading sports. I loved reading, um, that kind of stuff. And so at university of the school I went to, which was Mount Allison, it's a pretty small school in, in New Brunswick. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really easy to play basketball, which I did, but also kind of, it was so small that you could also, you know, be on the school newspaper. And in fact, at one point, I think nice. I was the 
I would play games and then write about the games for the school <laughs> paper. Um, you were like Draymond before before podcasts. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I would have been doing now. But um, yeah. So so you know, but again, it never was. It just never seemed like a viable thing you could do for a living. You know, right. that kind of I kind of I kind of stumbled into that a little bit later. But but uh, really, it was just it was just a fun thing to do. Mm-hmm. Mostly because you know I loved I loved reading reading sports. I loved reading good 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 writing and. You know, it was kind of, and I was in an environment where I could, I could do, uh, do, do one. If I had to choose, I, I never would have, if I had to, could have, you know, if I was at a bigger school like Western or something and you had to be full-time committed to the Gazette or something like that, like, yeah. um, you know, I, I wouldn't have done it, but it, cause it was mm-hmm. so small at Mount, at Mount A, it was, it was kind of, it was fun to try. Yeah. It's funny how it works out though. Right. Like, and why Mount A, why did you choose? New Brunswick, um, small community, like, well, yeah. Well, I was giggling. in Toronto. My, my parents, my parents moved to, oh, well, I'm laughed because my my kids are the age I was then roughly. Okay. And just the contrast between, you know, the amount of kind of uh, consideration goes into these decisions and for them versus <laughs> the amount I, I put into it. It's pretty funny. <laughs> but um, my parents moved to uh, from Toronto to, um, St. John, New Brunswick. Okay. When I was finished going into grade, uh, 13. And so I ended up staying back in Toronto, lived with a buddy to finish high school. And, but when it came time to university, I kind of, you know, I, I kind of considered some schools up here and then began looking at some schools down that way, just because, you know, it was, you know, my parents were there anyway. And so, you know, I think I half, I applied to McGill. I don't think I, I don't think I ever did apply to McGill. I got halfway through my application to McGill and had reached, you know, I'd, I think I would have played there. I'd connected with the coach there. Yeah. And, um, but then I also got in touch with I had a high school coach who put me in touch with a coach at Mount A and they had actually at that time were coming off a pretty good season. And, uh, so, you know, I connected with the coach and he came and saw me and said, yep, we'd love you to play. And, you know, I was a good student. So they were able to give me quite a bit of money relatively. And, um, and I was like, okay, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's really <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, what I, how much thought I put into it. <laughs> and, um, and so that's, yeah, that's how I made a decision on one of my defining decisions in my life was made literally with based on one conversation. So, um, and uh, yeah, it worked out pretty well. And and it didn't turn out to be like basketball wise. It wasn't, a, it didn't end up being that the, the year they, when I went there, the year before they'd been pretty good, turned out to be a bit of a blip and mm-hmm. uh, they, we weren't very good when I was there. And uh, the guy who coached me was an excellent coach, went on to some really good successes, a guy named Dave Crook, but, uh, you but played for Crookie? Yeah. Yeah. Get out of here. Yeah. Legend. So, um, there you go. Yeah. So he, uh, so we I, played were there at, for, I played at Brandon when he was at Winnipeg. Oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, so, uh, yeah, so he was a great coach, but, but the point being, I can't remember my point, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's how I ended up there and playing there and, and, uh, you know, had, uh, had a, had a lot, of fun, lot of fun doing it. Like I find some, some sort of sarcasm or irony in the fact that a guy who just becomes a writer couldn't finish the McGill application. 
<laughs> I was. I just remember I, I already knew I had money from from Mount A, and I was like, ah, it just seemed like too much hassle to me. I think I actually had to write an essay. I was like, ah, I'm not doing this. So, you know, who knows? You know, who knows? It is funny how it all comes together. And then, what was it like moving from obviously the Toronto area to a place like New Brunswick? I mean, one of the things I really appreciated about Brandon, you know, wasn't the weather, but it was the small town feel and the people were just fantastic. They were so nice. And it was, there was a little bit of focus on the Bobcats and, and it was fun to be around. So I really enjoyed that small community. I don't know what your experience was like and, and how you felt about it, but, and also so cool that you got to play for Crookie. It's, I, I forget he's been around that long. No offense. Yeah. I'm not saying you're yeah, old no, and old no. too, but it's, no, he's, uh, he's a legend. Yeah, no, he's, he's a great dude. Really. We're so good friends. And, nice. uh, you know, he taught me, he was, you know, it's interesting. Like he was a real, he was only as kind of 26, 27 at the time. Yeah. And I was, yeah. I was like 20 in my first year of university. So not, that's like, you, it, that's you in grade six, looking at that grade 12, but now you're like, yeah. you're ups, right? It's funny. Yeah. Uh, a lot of these guys like started super young, like, you know, early twenties, they're coaching yeah. CIU ball. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, it was, it was a different universe back then. So, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, he was, and he was, he was a, yeah, he was a very unique personality, you know, just <laughs> kind of larger than life. And, uh, and, uh, definitely it was an experience at the time. And he was, he was a really good coach. Like he was kind of at the front edge of, um, you know, kind of that next generation of university coaches that really were, you know, just as basketball in general was kind of growing and it was getting a little more easy to access information and, 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 uh, share ideas and, and, and learn and grow. Like he was, he was there. He's really ambitious. He ended up coaching mm-hmm. the national program for years and years. And, um, and so I, I feel like I learned a ton from him, but the school itself just didn't have the capacity to kind of recruit athletes and, sure. and, uh, and all that. So, you know, on the encore, never quite make it. And then, um, I think going into my fourth year, the program got canceled too. So that was, uh, for budget reasons. So that kind of sucked. Yeah. But, uh, reasons we can't um, get into or, Oh no, just money. Yeah. Like oh, yeah. the school yeah. just decided like there was, a, there was a deficit and they said, okay, we're going to cut this, this and this. And so I was going into my fourth year and there was no team to play for. So Brutal. I ended up uh, playing men's league and, uh, coaching high school girls basketball, which was another experience. But, oh. um, the, uh, yeah, it was a good one, but it was, it was pretty, <laughs> it was different. Um, and then, um, yeah, yeah. But going to a small town like that was, uh, was I loved it. Like it was, yeah. uh, c- kind of, and I didn't know anybody. So you just kind of rolled in there and your buddies on your team, you've got guys on the team became, you became really close with them really quickly. And it was yeah. kind of such a small school. It was easy to make friends. You kind of anyone you saw that you kind of encountered and became friendly with, you would, you know, if you see, saw him at breakfast, you'd probably see him at lunch. And if you saw him at lunch, you'd see him at dinner and you'd see him at dinner. You'd probably see him in the bar. So, so you made uh, a lot of friends pretty fast and, and um, yeah. And hijinks ensued, as they say. If you're a basketball player out there in the lower mainland or uh, BC in general, and you're looking for somewhere to play, we have a proud sponsor, and that is PGC Hoops. You can find them at pgchoops.ca. And the thing that makes them unique and that we're proud to sponsor them and them be a sponsor of us is 
It's a true nonprofit basketball organization found in the east side of Vancouver. The mission is cost-effective elite basketball for all. Find the website, take a look, register your kids, register yourself, look for the programs. And if you have any questions, reach out to me and we can contact you with the right people. This is a good program for the right reasons. We appreciate you, PGC Basketball. You uh, you touched on a little bit about kind of falling into things. How did you get into, what did you take journalism in university or what was the degree? And then sort of how did you go about expanding your career after your, your time at Mount Allison and, and moving forward with that? Yeah, I just did like a kind of a history and sociology degree, pretty, pretty basic. Again, didn't yep. think, think through it too much and uh <laughs> seeing some know, common but, themes here mr grange <laughs> yeah yeah with some regrets too but the, sure uh, but, hey, but i mean I, you know it was yeah. like i was clowning my way through like i was a really no. hard-working student and guy my my view was always you know even if i didn't know what i wanted to do i just always wanted to make sure i'd be in position to do something so mm-hmm. uh you know i figured i'd you know at one point i thought i was gonna be a teacher and then at one point i thought i would be a you know, maybe I go to law school and, um, you know, I just, and then, um, when I finished school, I moved to Toronto uh, and I think I got accepted to teachers college a couple of times, but it, I just was, felt like I was too young to do that. And, uh, ended up smart working. move, man, smart move. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I worked, uh, worked in a meatpacking plant for a little while and then I got a job in a bar and did that for a couple of years, which was great. Um, that was probably the funnest mm. <laughs> job I've had. People say sports, so I go, no, bartending was probably more fun. But um, the um, and then uh, work got a real job working for the city of Toronto or Metro Toronto at the time as a, a welfare worker, mm. sort of in the early kind of early nineties, and there was a kind of pretty nasty recession going on, and they were you know they were hiring <laughs> so <laughs> so i did that for about four years and that was that was pretty you know eye-opening experience for a pretty young guy who hadn't really counted all that many all that much sure. and uh so you're you know you're just dealing with a lot of people in a lot of very difficult situations and um and you know around that same time you know again i was i was really really starting to read a lot and 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 do a, do a lot of, um, you know, I, I, that's probably when I kind of thought, you know, I felt like I just wanted to try writing in some shape or form. And, and, uh, you know, I, I had a friend who was doing like a, like a, like they called them zines back then, but it was like an arts zine. It was basically literally <laughs> like, you know, a photocopied magazine <laughs> and, um, you know, but they were, that's, they were out there. And yep. so, you know, so that, those were my first writing assignments, like profiling an art gallery or something like that. I mean, I, you know, and then, um, and then I took a course at Ryerson in magazine writing. Cause that's what I really liked. I really loved magazines and long feature writing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and that went pretty well and that, and, and that was kind of, you know, between those things and some of the stuff I'd done at Mount A, I kind of had, had, I wouldn't quite call it a portfolio, but I had a, a few things that I could kind of demonstrate. And, and by that time, you know, I was kind of had determined I didn't want to be working for the, be a welfare worker basically for my career. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so, you know, kind of went through it again of teachers college law school. And, and then I decided to apply to journalism school, which felt like a huge leap. Like I was going to be paying for it in my own pocket and, um, uh, didn't, you know, didn't, I didn't know any journalists, <laughs> you know, I, I had, like, <laughs> yeah. I had no clue. If, I literally was like, I ended up doing the master's program at Western cause it was 12 months and not two years like at Carleton. And I literally thought, well, you know, worst comes to worst, all the master's degree. So, you know, I can probably get a job selling cars. Like that was kind of <laughs> what I, you know, that was my, you know, I, so I, you know, I quit a, quit a job, quit a, you know, pretty good job and, and, uh, moved to London and, and, uh, and, you know, things worked out. Like I got, uh, I did, had a couple of, you know, really lucky breaks when I was at journalism school where like literally, um, and I'm using the word literally correctly in a sense. <laughs> um, my first assignment was you, we put our names in a hat and pulled out a name and we were supposed to write a profile of, um, the person whose name I grabbed and it would turn out to be a person named Martha Henry, who I'd never heard of, but was a really prominent actor, in uh, at Stratford and uh, one of Canada's leading, I guess, Shakespearean classical actors, I guess I'd just say. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so she was based in London. I think she was the director of the London, um, like the London Theatre Festival, or she had some role in the arts community in London at the time. Yeah. And so I kind of reached out to her and said, listen, I've been asked to do this for the, you know, I'm in the master's program at Western and, and she said she was very nice and said, sure. And so and in the course of talking to her, it turns out that she was, she'd like, she'd been kind of estranged, estranged from the Stratford festival for a decade or something. And so at one point she'd been like one of the, like the biggest, most prominent star. And then she had some kind of falling out and had been kind of like I say estranged. And then this summer, like, like, cause this was in like, I started school there in, in, the, in the summer months. Mm -hmm. uh, she was making her return to Stratford. And so I wrote the story and blah, 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 blah. And, um, on a whim kind of faxed, like, I, I think I tried to reach out to at the time the Globe Mail had like a, they had like a page where kind of normal people could, could kind of, uh, contribute. It was like a yeah. citizens page type thing and, uh, kind of faxed it in and, yes. uh, <laughs> and the person calls me back and says, yeah, we'd like to use this. And I was like, great. <laughs> and, um, and so it appeared in the mail and like, I was just, you know, literally my first two weeks, it's two months in school. I had this file in the Globe mail. The only catch was I'd never told Martha Henry about this. Yeah. And so, she, so she picks up the Globe mail or this story, which was supposed to be for this student course was all of a sudden in, you know, in the art section of the Globe mail. And, and she was really mad. Like she was really, oh, really, really mad. Really oh yeah. Cause like, obviously it's her story to tell and she's sure. probably like a whole publicity campaign planned around it. And, yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, so that was, uh, both a great lesson and a harsh lesson. She was, yeah, she, she gave me, she really let me have it. And I was Did like, you still get a good mark know? though? Oh, I got a great mark. And I yeah. got paid. And, uh, and then I had another experience where um, it was during the NHL lockout in 94, 95. And um, a friend 
my girlfriend at the time's brother was good friends with Eric Lindros. Mm. And um, Eric trying to lock out Lindros had moved to London to take a course or two at Western and live with a bunch of buddies of his from high school. And he was scrap practicing with the, the Mustangs, with the hockey team, just staying in shape. And so I, uh, again, it was an assignment for school, it was a, you know, a sports writing assignment. So I said, okay. Well, and I reached, you know, kind of reached out and I went out for, you know, a beer with Eric and I told him what I wanted to do and not with him, but I mean, amongst the group. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, yeah, sure. And uh, I'll meet you tomorrow. So he met me and picked me up in his uh, six series Beamer. And, uh, or no, he, no, we met at the student bar and then he drove me home and like, so it was like, at the time, probably hundred thousand dollar car, <laughs> and uh, but he couldn't have been nicer. He was great. We talked for like probably an hour, and and I wrote the story for the assignment, and you know I thought it was pretty good, and and um, I and I did have one friend uh, at that point who I'd known um, when I was doing some volunteer work. Who was a her name was Jennifer Wells. She worked for the Globe and Mail at the time. Mm-hmm. really really good writer and she and i asked her like what should i do he says well she said well you already have a byline from the gold mail why don't you try the new york times i said okay and so i called the new york times sports department and uh told them what i was doing and this guy with the new york accent says sure why don't you tag you know fax it down and so i faxed in the story and i said yep we're gonna use it and uh and they so yeah so that ran on a sunday in the new york times Wow, and um, and I was lucky because I think it was like in January, and I think the lockout ended like literally like in February, like the first week of February. So it was just got under the wire. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, and so uh, really as a result of those two stories, when I finished school in May of '95, I uh, you know I'd apply for all the internships and summer jobs and all that, and you know I was I was able to. Uh, a couple of couple of offers, a couple of diet choices, I guess. And so I ended up mm-hmm. working at Global Mail um, right out of school, basically. And uh, the rest is history. As they say, yeah. Um, upon your like your reflection, you look back, you've also seen a huge swing from the times of Street and Smiths and Sports Illustrated and us waiting for our, you know, subscription to show up in the mail and newspapers being very, you know, dominant in to now, you know, very digital based. If you could think back um, and you were to, maybe you've done it already and you're speaking to a bunch of people that want to get into what you do, what advice would you give someone right now? Um, other, you know, if there's something outside of obviously knock on as many doors, fax in as many stories as you can or whatever, mm-hmm. is there something that upon your life experience that you would um, either change or share with someone? Yeah, well, I wouldn't fax. It'd be a terrible <laughs> idea. Don't do that. Maybe joke them uh, coffee. Yeah, yeah. We still have a fax number at our school, and I'm like, do people actually fax still? Like, do we need? Can we get that off the website? Like, yeah, I don't think we need that anymore. Um, no, I, it seems to me, and and I do get asked these questions, and I'm always, you know, I'm usually pretty happy to meet with people, but really, what I tell them, you know, apart from the obvious of, you know, just be super passionate and say no to nothing, and uh, mm-hmm. you know. Nothing is too, no gig is too small, no opportunity to, you know, less worthy. Yeah. Um, you know, it seems to me, and I can't really speak to this firsthand because it hasn't been my experience, but you need to be very entrepreneurial. 
And mm. uh, it really, you really need to, um, you know, the one thing I would say for sure is if someone comes to me and wants to have a career in some version of journalism and they're not already doing some version of journalism, like they don't already have a website, they don't really already have a podcast, they don't already have contributing to some version of, of some of one of those things yeah. and you're, you're behind. Right. Yeah. And so it uh, really does seem like the, you know, one of these things where you've got a, there's, you know, on one level it's, there's a lot, there's a lot less hierarchy out there. So really if you have the talent and the drive, there so are true. means to get your talent out there. Good point. Um, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying it's easy. No, no, <laughs> you know, no. But, but uh, the, the a good way to frame people, it. Yeah, but the people I can think of who've kind of come up in the last five to ten years that you know the Blake Murphys of the world and you know the, the list goes on um, mm -hmm. are guys who kind of started doing it on their own as a passion project and just were so persistent and driven about it that they were able to you know. You know, it, it, people read everything. I read everything, and, and eventually, either through social media or somewhere else, you'll see a guy who's on Raptors Republic who's really good, or you'll see a guy on social media who keeps posting really interesting things. And mm -hmm. you know, and some of those people over the years have turned to people who are credentialed in covering Raptors games uh, right alongside with me. You know, but it's uh, it's that seems to be a way uh, more than you know, uh, kind of going to. You know, I, obviously, still people go to journalism school. There's a lot of skills to learn and all of that. Sure. But, but uh, you know, it's not as it's not like go to school, get a job, and move up the ranks. That's not quite as uh, common a path these days. Yeah, well said. Um, have you had a chance to bump into our guy Jamma yet? Have you seen him? I did. I actually you saw did? him he was in the building at yeah. the he was at the draft the other day and. What a guy. And, uh, yeah. Wonderful guy. Yeah, Happy to have him back. Yeah. yeah. Good guy. We've had him on the show. Yeah. Wrote a, wrote a fun story about him when he was like, he, uh, when he got a job with Raptors 905. And I remember yeah. talking to Kevin, Kevin Hansen who yep. recruited him. And uh, Kevin Hansen tells a funny story where he went to Oakwood to go see a game. And as he got there, uh, there's a jam was leading uh, a student walkout because uh, they were protesting in support. I think they were in support of something for the teachers. Mm. And so, so Jamma, the, you know, that's the, the hook of the story is that's the kind of kid Jamma is like a real born leader. And, and that Jamma says like, it wasn't that I got them to lock out is that I got them to walk back in. <laughs> so <laughs> so he, he staged his protest and get, they all came back to school and then Jamma played his game and, Kevin was like, I uh, thought he'd seen Bermuda was recruiting Barack Obama all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I mean, he took over out here too, right? Like he was on all the, you know, whatever you call it, councils and committees at UBC. Like, oh, yeah. just yeah, a great he's, dude. He's an amazing person. Yeah. And you talk about career paths and sort of just saying no to nothing, right? That's, that's a prime example right there. Um, let's do some fun questions and we'll get you on your way for the day. How's that sound? Sure. Sounds good. Okay. I just have one that I didn't send you though. Sure. Um, if was there, what's the most awkward interview you've ever had, or one that you <laughs> that you had to oh, really geez. dig into the toolbox to uh, um, to make happen? <laughs> I don't know if it was so awkward, but I remember interviewing Andrew Wiggins at the Hoop Summit in 
I guess it would have been 2014. I think it was his draft year, or maybe 2013 before he went to to Kansas. Yeah, and um, and you know, I had met Andrew a few times. Like he's, you know, he's just a pretty. He's not the most chatty. He's a fine. He's a super nice guy. Sure. He is just it's not, not interested in being interviewed. Yeah. And um, and so, but we'd arranged this interview, and a guy, a cameraman, had driven down from. Um, from uh, Vancouver and I'd flown out to Portland and we had a hotel room booked and, and first of all, we couldn't find him for like an hour or however long, like no one knew where he was. And then he finally arrives and, you know, and uh, sits down. And I think, I think I asked him 31 questions in like 22 minutes or something like that. Like it was, just, it was uh, or some crazy number. Like the ratio yeah. was way out of whack. And like it was, and I had done a lot of research. I like I had this and this and that about his mom and his dad and his brothers and his sisters. And, and uh, yeah, Andrew was like a lot of nodding, smiling, and agreeing was, uh, as I recall, which didn't work very well for the camera. But nice guy. But uh, yeah. was not, I did not win, a, win an award for that one. <laughs> we we just recently had Danny Langford um of the Warriors. Do you know her? She's the uh, head of strength I, and rehab. She's okay, in her second yeah. year there. Yeah, she's in her yeah. second year there. Rick Celebrini, I presume. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 And uh her dad's the coach at SFU, coaches the women's team there. But um Oh, okay. Yeah, I yeah. know Bruce. Yeah. All yeah. Right. She said, Yeah, she said, I asked Wiggs if he'd be wanted to go on a hoops journey and he wasn't up for it. I was like, he doesn't seem like much of a podcast guy. <laughs> you know? No. Yeah. <laughs> nice guy. Nice Absolutely. Guy. Yeah. yeah. And that's okay. I, I respect it. You know, I, you know, just because these athletes are out there doesn't mean they're all comfortable having a huge social media following and, you know, expanding their bank accounts, doing commercials and stuff. Some of them just want to do their craft and, and be left alone. And I respect it. You know, it's yep. nothing wrong with that. The best part about this podcast is not everybody's had the opportunity to meet me and I haven't been able to meet you in person. But if you know me, you know I have the body of an Adonis. But I also like a cold beer. Head to Parkside, support our guys, find them in the local government stores, whatever you got to do. If you're at a pub or a bar locally, ask if they're on tap. Give them some love. Our guy Sam and the people there have been so good to us. We can't say enough. We hope to see you at Parkside. Okay, but more importantly, how do you feel about ketchup on macaroni, sir? Um, I'm fairly anti both. I'm not saying I haven't done it. Okay. But I, uh, I, I'm well removed from craft Dinner. I would say that. Um, how about, and how about I, just mac and cheese in general? Not really something you order. I, right? I, I, I like yeah. I like a, I like a good mac and cheese, but there wouldn't okay. be any ketchup on it. No. Okay. Nope. All right. Uh, Triano said he puts a little bit of salsa and hot sauce on there. Yeah, that would like, work. That's not a bad mix. Yeah. 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 Who have been some of the most important people in your life? Um, yeah, I would definitely say uh, you know my wife for sure has been incredibly if you're going to do a job like i have like you where you're traveling all the time and you're kind of your nights and weekends are kind of often belong to other people and uh things can kind of change in the drop of a hat like you you know you need a special uh, person to kind of tolerate that i guess and uh my wife would certainly be one and um i would say dave crook was a big influence in my life for sure 
Um, just a guy who really, uh, really got me as a person and as a player and, um, you know, really, uh, kind of helped me through some, some times that you go through when you're that age. Mm -hmm. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I think those would be, those would be two that popped to mind for sure. Well, you mentioned your wife, so you get to live another day. So that's good. Exactly. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, cause the chances of her listening to this 47 minutes of us ramble are probably slim to none, right? And slim left the building. Yeah. <laughs> you never know who might. And yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you want to get the good reports. Yeah, sure. Exactly. Fair, fair. Um, okay. Now I have down books or movies, but obviously it's books for you or. Yeah. You know, no, I, yeah. I mean, I love, I love movies too, but. Okay. Um, I've you got some all timers kinda... like for what, what's like, what's a book that sticks to you to this day or you've just maybe recently read that you enjoy that maybe the listeners would want to check out can be any sort of doesn't matter but it have to be sports related but what do you think yeah my problem my problem is i have a terrible memory oh so yeah fair i literally like uh <laughs> i kind of looking at my bookshelf here and going you know there's different <laughs> books i can remember for different reasons but mm -hmm. um you know i guess i've really gotten into into kind of the mystery genre right now. And so, um, man, the, um, let me think, let me think. I, I honestly, I'm not, I'm not just pretending. I, no. I, my, my mind is, is, uh, a well, little, the, the hamster gets a lot of work though. So I it mean, it's does. fair. It's fair. It That's does. totally it fair. Does. Are you like, if, if, and when you do get a vacation, are you a, uh, side with two books stacked kind of guy or are you just like well, shut I, off the world and close your eyes kind of guy i um i am more of a kindle guy so that's yeah. always been good so is my wife yeah no i'm a big fan of the kindle um anyway next question i'm gonna i'm gonna think of a book while we're talking okay okay um you and four other players are gonna go to the blacktop in your prime you can take this any way you want. Could be your favorite players all time, or just some dudes that you loved hooping with growing up or at university. Um, who are you taking? You and four guys. So it's call your own. Maybe there's a little bit of wind. Mm -hmm. You know, you're down at Kitts Beach. Who knows who you got? Um, Obviously, Coach Crook on the sideline, but you may not listen to right. him now yeah. like you did. But yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess it'd be pretty fun to play with Steve Nash. Yeah, you might be uh, all right. Yeah. Um, and I would go with Nash. Um, see, I would want to build a team so that I would get to do most of what I do. I like to do, and at least if, you know. So I'd, I'd need a, like a stopper. I'd need like a Scotty Pippen out there. Okay. Which is what uh, make eighteen foot jumpers, right? That's what you said. Yeah, I just yeah. want all the, everyone to take care of all the business, and I just get to do what I like to do. Okay. And um, yeah, and I'd probably go with. Uh, um, yeah, I think we want to, I think we want to, like a big, well, I'd want to play with Jokic. That'd be really fun. Isn't he unreal? Yeah, so that's wow. three. And then, um, then I'm going to go with maybe uh, a guy named Rob Galakowski. I used to play a lot of basketball with when I was growing up. He's a really good player. Played a lawyer a little bit. Okay. And am I at five yet? They're at five. What's Rob's game like? Like, is he, is he the, he's, what is he? Is he big, small he's wing? Like, he was like, uh, Steph Curry before Steph Curry. Ooh. Uh, so the guy can really, really fill it up. Wow. And, uh, yeah, just, he always, he's always, 
you always kind of brought it too. So you you knew okay. the game, you knew the temperature would get turned up. <laughs> Did you ever see Joey Vickery play? Yes, but, I yeah, have. He was a yeah. bucket too. Yeah. 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 A lot, Just of, throwing... a lot of questions, a lot of questionable shot selection, but, uh, <laughs> but he made enough. Go Bobcats. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Dead or alive. The artist doesn't matter. Uh, maybe you take your wife or someone that you want to, you got the best seat in the house. What concert are you going to see? Are you much of a music guy? Yeah, I am a bit of a music guy and, okay. um, take more than one if you'd like, but yeah, well, you know what? I, I kind of feel like I've already, um, I've already been to that concert. It was, uh, when I was in my first, probably summer of 94, I got to go see the hip at the Horseshoe Tavern and, um, they were just doing a pop-up show in advance of one of their big tours. And, uh, excuse my ignorance, but the Horseshoe Tavern doesn't sound like a large venue. It sounds like no, it was it's, quite it's, intimate. Um, yeah. It's like, wow. Kind of the kind of essential, music venue in downtown Toronto. It's like just, it's wow. just like an old honky tonk bar with long bar and a kind of cramped little back room. And um, amazing. And they just know, did a little just, pop-up. Yeah. And they, it was always kind of, it's kind of like if you were like a, at the time, if you were like a, a band, you know, they, you get touring bands who didn't have a following who ended up being like REM might've played there kind of thing right. on their first time through Toronto. Type deal. Okay. Um, or like if you were a local band to kind of graduate to the horseshoe was a big, big deal. And, uh, but by that time the hip had sort of moved well beyond that. They were playing, you know, festivals and, you know, Scotiabank arena and stuff like that. So, uh, mm-hmm. kind of, so I remember just my wife had a girlfriend at the time, wife now in the apartment across the street, walked out to get a coffee or a little line up there and uh we're going what are you guys lining up for and i said oh the hip are going to play here tonight so kind of lined up got your wristband and came back and um yeah it was just amazing amazing experience kind of thing and wow and yeah so probably that was so that was it so if i could recreate that night i'd, I'd be down for it no doubt um you're feeling a little snacky on the road and you gotta pull the laptop out and get a get something out to print here. What bag of chips are you going to grab to get you through it? Uh, oh, I'm pretty basic. I'm a salt and vinegar guy. I can even go plain. Yeah. Okay. I'm, like, is I it like my ch- Lay's, Miss Vicky's, doesn't matter. Oh, Miss Vicky's. Just, yeah, yeah, Miss Vicky's. Yeah. First preference for sure. Like got the crunch. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. I mean, don't don't play it down. Like, you know, plain chips and salt and vinegar don't matter. Those matter. Okay. <laughs> no, yeah, just, like, let's yeah, not. Just, yeah. It's not a, I, just, I just don't like elaborate chips. Sure. Yeah. They are getting why, pretty why? wild. The president's yeah. choice the other day, I was in the grocery store. There's like Korean barbecue and there's like, yeah, they got just everything. But I, yeah, that's fair. Um, sure. Last question for you. Um, and we appreciate your time. It's been super fun. Um, I'd just like to personally say thanks. I know it's a job for you and I know it's what put, you know, puts bread on your family's table, but the amount of exposure you've given the game in Canada um, and allow people to read and you know, get cool stories like JAMA and others and all the stuff and content that you're putting out means a lot. And, and I think we're in a great place with basketball in our country. Um, and you're, you know, when I mentioned to a few friends that we were going to sit down and chat, they were pretty thrilled because your name is out there as being one of the guys that's uh, spreading the good word. So um, thanks for being with us today. It's been fantastic. And I appreciate you taking the time. Well, thank you for having me on. And uh, I appreciate all the, all the, 
all the questions and make me think hard. So <laughs> Do you though? Thank you. And, um, and yeah, good luck with it. I'll definitely, uh, I'll definitely look for the podcast and, um, you know, it's nice that, uh, it's nice that, uh, people like yourself are, are kind of helping build, uh, helping weave the fabric of the game in, in a meaningful way. So thank Look at you. That. Weave the fabric. You got it. Okay. Before you go, who do you want to see on a hoops journey, but you got to help us get on there and you can't <laughs> say Dave Crook. Okay. Uh, I can't. Why not? Yeah. We got to, we got to get crooky on, right? Yeah. Let's go for it. Uh, crooky would be a good one. Cause he, you know, he'd be great actually, just cause he's seen so know, many he, different things. Well, he was uh, out East when basketball out there was just, a totally different beast and then the whole gpac experience and um uh you know his international stuff he was he coached canada to their first international age group medal they won really? bronze at the at, they won bronze at the u21s wow uh, at the world championships yeah and um and they uh yeah they had some there's some wild guys on that team henry beckering was at the, on that team oh yeah um you know, and they had uh, Levon Kendall was on that team. Um, mm-hmm. Andy Andy Routen was on that team, and uh, just to, they were kind of they kind of didn't quite quite the respect they deserved because, like yeah. I said, uh, they won a, they won a world championship bronze medal, yeah. and uh, at that time, Canada hadn't won a, a medal of, uh, since the '36 Olympics at a world event. So, so it was kind of neat. Cool. But uh, yeah, so he'd have he'd have an endless amount of stories. Yeah, he'd be a good one. It'd be, we, yeah, we might have to edit it down because we'd just be rambling on. Man, Henry Beckering, that guy could dunk with his armpit, hey? Like he, yeah. wow, that was a beast. Yeah. For those that haven't yeah. seen it, check him out on YouTube. Anyways, Mr. Grange, thank you. Continued success. Thanks for all you do for the game of hoops. Um, and on behalf of a Hoops Journey, thanks for being with us. Hold up. Thank you. You bet. A great episode. Thanks to our sponsors, and we'll see you on the next one. Bye.